Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And, well, the duck season is over, everybody. We are here with the podcast that we didn't think we were going to have to record, but we got to record it because you got questions and we got questions. And <laughs> hopefully we have some answers that will help you out as we uh, we analyze the Ducks uh, now, basically, Eddie, going into the off season, unfortunately, uh, the Ducks lost to Nashville in six games. Uh, you know, they split the first two at home. They split the next two on the road in Nashville, but lost games five and six, Eddie. Uh, not where we wanted to be, and uh, obviously everybody out there, we know you feel the same way, but uh, we're going to go over the series a little bit and uh, address some fan questions. Uh, your initial reaction, Eddie, to uh, the series? Yeah, you know, I think initially it was it was disappointment, I think, along with everybody. Everybody was disappointed, but... You know, when we look back to the beginning of the season and even during the regular season, I think a lot of us were just going to be happy if the Ducks made the playoffs. And I don't think any of us expected them to go this far. Um, but in the moment, you know, when you're there and you have a chance of, of winning another cup, it's disappointing, of course. Uh, I mean, I think the Ducks definitely could have won this series, especially with, with Nashville losing Ryan Johansson. And I think they did a great job of, of being able to replace him with some of the depth forwards that they have. But it, it's definitely disappointing. And obviously, you know, the the time is running out for, for the core of this team. Everybody's getting older, and I think they've maybe got a couple more seasons left where they, they can work some things around to, to make a, a push. But, you know, I really think they, they had a shot at doing it this year. I think that's the, the most disappointing part about it. Yeah, and like we talked about, you know, on the podcast before, previewing the series, we thought it would go six or seven games, and we knew it was going to be tough. Um, we, we thought the Ducks could pull it out, you know, in that kind of fashion. And, uh, really, uh, the way game six went, uh, I thought they were going to, you know, go to overtime or, or win it, uh, you know, force a game seven, especially late in that game. But looking at this series, you know, the first two games, the, the Ducks split and most of these games Eddie, were, were basically what you and I predicted. They were the two to one type games, the three to two, you know, one goal games. Almost all these games were, uh, were like that. Even game six, I mean, because of some empty net goals, that was a one goal game. Um, you know, the Ducks ended up losing game one, uh, you know, three to two. Uh, that was, you know, dis- disappointing in the first game because uh, Nashville had come at the Ducks with so many shots on net. In that game, they had 46. They ended up edging out the Ducks by a goal. And then the only game that was really irregular, uh, you know, as far as what you and I talked about, was game two. The Ducks came out and ended up winning this one, you know, five to three. So you had you know, a little bit of craziness there. You know, we had talked about how the Ducks had played Nashville in the regular season. And all three games were, you know, just high scoring affairs. So we saw that in game uh, two, but not in game one. You know, things looked okay. The Ducks, you know, were going to go to Nashville tied. Um, 
It looked like they'd be fine, but then again, it was just weird how these games went, Eddie. It seemed like they would flip-flop kind of the, the way the Ducks' performances went because then the Predators came back and won game three, uh, two to one, and then the Ducks came back and, you know, they did the push in game four. So through those first four games, it was just kind of weird. It seemed like, um, you know, the Ducks probably could have won three of those four games, but they're a little bit inconsistent in their play through those first four. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, and really they, they had some chances. They had a lot of shots. Um, but they didn't really have a lot of finish in some of these games. And Nashville made it close. Rene made it tough for them as well. But, yeah, I, I mean, when you look at the big guys for each team and who stepped up, you you have to give the the edge to Nashville, and especially Philip Forsberg. I mean, especially when, when Johansson went down, he continued to play well. I think he had a point in every game in this series and almost had a goal in every game except for, for game five where he had an assist. But... Uh, I mean, you, you got to give kudos to them for, for them being able to step up. Uh, at times, we had guys like Raquel who stepped up. Richie played uh, good in a couple games, had some big goals. Perry had a, a big overtime goal as well. But you, know, you look at a guy like Ryan Kessler, didn't really step up this series, struggled to, to shut down that forsberg johansson Arvidsson line when they were together and struggled to shut down Forsberg when they weren't together. Um, and and Getzlaff, barring the game where he had three assists, you know, he looked good in some of those games. He made some good plays, but, you know, it there was no finish. And, and it's just disappointing. I, I think, you know, this team had a chance and, and they kind of let it slip away. Yeah, and I think that was really evident in games uh, three and four, uh, you know, on the road. I mean, you had game three. The Ducks were ahead going to the third. They they gave up those two goals. You know, they, they ran over Gibson, too, and had a couple called back. But, it looked like the Ducks, you know, were going to maybe survive, uh, you know, go to overtime. Of course, there's, you know, the the, the late penalty called on uh, Chris Wagner, and, you know, Yoshi scores, and that's the game-winning goal, which, you know, that penalty, I mean, you know, Wagner got a stick up, but, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a ticky-tack one, and then they score, whatever. So, you know, the Ducks couldn't hang on in that game. And then in game four, uh, you know, the Ducks had a two-goal lead. And then Nashville came back in the third period, and they they forced overtime. The Ducks were able to manage and win. So I, I think that was huge, uh, you know, for Nashville because they were able to come back. They you know they played okay in periods one or two, uh, and the Ducks were able to get these leads, but the Ducks just couldn't hang on. And if they were able to hang on and win Game Three, and then obviously Game Four, I mean, I, I we would be here talking about the Ducks playing Pittsburgh or Ottawa. I think I, I really think that Game uh, Game Three was huge. Uh, for them to lose, and I mean, it was huge for them to win too. But um, it just sucks because you feel like the Ducks could have had control of this series, Eddie. After four games, they really could have won three of these four games. Yeah, and, and I think the big ones are definitely Game Three, like you said. I, I think you know they they got that third you know lead going into the third period. They they had it going late, and even with the goal for Nashville to tie the game, it, it was just a bad penalty in the offensive zone, and that's where you don't want to be taking penalties. Um, you know, Wagner gets the stick up, and, and he does hit him, and, you know, that, that is a penalty that they're going to call, and it's it just disappointing they end up getting the goal on the power play, and, and that's the decider in the game, and really that's where you got to be disciplined, shut the, you know, shut down defensively, and win the game, and they weren't able to do it, and I think, like you said, that was a big turning point in that game. That's a game you should have won, and then obviously last night's game, in game six, uh, you know, they outshot them, I think, 41 to 18. And most yeah, of the time ridiculous. you're gonna most of the time you're gonna win those games. And obviously the scoreline looks a little bit weird with it being six three. Obviously two of them were, were empty netters, but you know that's a game you have to win. And we'll go into it in a little bit of why we think they lost and and what you know who's to blame and and whatnot. But uh, that's definitely a game that you should have won. The the way they played in that game, they played great. 
they got back into it, tied the game, and to ultimately lose with it with a late goal. You know, I think that's definitely oh, well, obviously looking at it now, it's the big one in, in this series. Well, and I think if we take one step back, we'll go fully into that one and we go to game five looking at this too. Um, you know, this is a, another one that the Ducks, they played decent. They could have won this game, you know, at home. And and I I hate to say it, and I, don't, I you know, we don't, we don't want to be like some of these other fans out there and complain about penalty calls and all these other things. But in this situation, you had Manson get high sticks, bleeding, no call. Then... Play goes on. He gets called for a cross check. Not saying it wasn't a cross check, but he gets called for that. National scores that ends up being the game winning goal in game five, and that's just completely frustrating, Eddie. Because if they would have called the double minor like they should have, that other you know the series of events would have been changed from then on. You know they they wouldn't have uh, you know I don't know they may or may not have won, but it just would have been a different you know the way it would have gone. And I I, I can't stand when there's a non call. And then a call, and then a, a goal results out of it too. I mean, it's just that whole chain of events. It's just very frustrating to me. Not saying that Nashville didn't deserve to win Game Five, but it, it, it's just frustrating because it totally changed the momentum of that game, and you could see it from that point on, Eddie. Yeah, and, and we saw that in the game where the Ducks went down two nothing. I think it was Game Two, where Vodnik scored a late power play goal in the first period, and then the momentum shifted going into the second, and the Ducks got two quick goals, and they ended up ultimately winning that game. And that's kind of the similar situation to this one. Obviously, the Ducks were up 2 nothing late in the, in the second period. The high stick from Forsberg gets missed. Manson's bleeding on the ice. Uh, he gets revenge, and it, it, was just, it was a dumb penalty to take. And let's be honest, you, you know, obviously he's a little bit pissed off, and he's a heated guy. Um, and, and I don't blame him for, for trying to get you know revenge on, on Forsberg and being a little bit pissed off. I'd be pissed off, too. Uh, and the refs definitely missed a call, but you know you take a penalty late, and they get a goal in the final minute on the power play, and they go into the third period, and they look like a new team. And the Ducks didn't really play great in that third period, and it showed they didn't have a lot of finish, they didn't get a lot of chances. Nashville was shutting down, and once Nashville got that that two one goal in the third period, you know it's pretty much game over. They played great, shut down the neutral zone, not many chances, and then Austin Watson sealed it with an empty netter. And it's just it's just the way it went in this series. I mean, the yeah. Ducks just they were taking dumb penalties. There were some missed calls in this one, especially that that led to chances at the other end for both teams, and then ultimately it hurt them in the end. Yeah, and I, and I might have mis, uh, misspoke on that penalty. It wasn't the game winning goal that Nashville scored, but it was the game tying goal, as you talked about, and then it shifted the momentum around into the third. Uh, that's what I said earlier. But yeah, like you said, the penalties. Um, the Ducks definitely weren't as disciplined in this series as they needed to be in all of these games. We, we saw that. And we even saw it. We, we'll talk about game six. We saw it in there. I mean, the, the first period, uh, you know, the Ducks got down t- uh, 2 nothing in game six. And you thought, okay, the Ducks were still putting on pressure. They were getting more shots. It looked like they were going to get back into it. And then Nick Ritchie, you know, t- gets a five-minute boarding penalty and he's gone. And, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to argue this call, whatever. He hit the guy face first into the boards, he's bleeding. I mean, it's pretty evident of what it is. But when you see the missed call against Manson before, and then you see this, it, that's just frustrating. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. But the Ducks were able to kill that five-minute major penalty off. I don't even think Nashville got a shot. Maybe they got like one in that whole sequence. I don't even remember what it was. But the Ducks were able to survive that. They come out of the first period down 2 nothing. They play a great second period. They only get one goal. Um, you know, and you, and you thought they had a chance. Then they go down 3-1. to one, And then they still come back and they tie it. And they tie it at 3-3. You think everything's good. 
And, and then, lo and behold, Nashville gets another goal shortly after that, makes it 4-3, to three and the Ducks can't recover. And I mean, it's just a frustrating game. I remember we were at El Ranchito in Orange watching this game, and we were going nuts when it was 3-3. Three to three. I mean, uh, you know, everybody was jumping up and down, going crazy. And then to see that next goal really deflated it, and, and it just uh, – you just kind of knew at that point, and, and then of course the you know the easy empty net of the first one that that was it. And uh, I mean, you got to be happy with this team though, Eddie. They showed so much fight. They had no Eves, no Raquel in this game, no Gibson, and and and, and yeah, Nashville didn't have some of their players too. Which I don't know why the national media likes to focus on their team so much and how shorthanded they were, but we were shorthanded too. You know, we had two of our top scorers out, and for the Ducks to fight it out the way that they did in Game Six. Um, you have to be proud of it, uh, at least the team as a whole, Eddie. Yeah, and you know, I, I get where you're coming from on that too. And you know, a lot of the focus was on Nashville losing Johansson, um, and, and that was pretty much it for them. And, and that's a huge loss. Don't get me wrong; they're losing their number one center. They don't really have much depth after that. But to be honest, losing Mike Fisher isn't really, you know, obviously it, it's losing your captain, but zero Who points struggled. in twelve games for him. Yeah. You know, it's like if we lost for Matt, you're losing a defensive forward who's not going to do much for you. It's not a big loss for them. They lost Kevin Fiala before, but they have the depth to, to, you know, to lose a role player like that. But for the Ducks, there wasn't a lot of talk about them losing two 30-goal scores and, of course, their their number one goaltender uh, going into game six. And that's, you know, a loss that's hard to overcome. And I I think they did a great job in this game. I mean, they played a great game, arguably their best game of the playoffs, and they lost six to three. You know, they outshot Nashville 41-18. They killed off a five-minute power play and, and allowed. I th- NHL.com says they allowed no shots on that on any of the power plays for Nashville in this game. It's hard to believe, but um, you know it, it comes down to goaltending. And 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 I don't want to jump on Bernier, and a lot of people have been in, in saying it's his fault in this game, but you know it's hard to look the other way. There there are some poor goals, especially early on in, in the first period, the two that he allowed in, uh, and then the you know the second Sisson's goal where he's jamming it on the side of the net, and he didn't cover it. Um, it, it's just tough. It, it's a tough game to lose when you play so well, you know, dominant in the faceoff dot. You, you obviously don't get anything going on the power play, and that's on you. But I mean, it's tough. You know, they battle back, tie the game. They don't get a five on three, and, and that puck did clip the glass heading out. But you know, the call goes the other way, and Sizzles comes down the other ice and, and scores the the hat trick goal. And you know, that's a dagger. You, you know, six minutes to go in the game. You, you give up the 4-3 goal, and it's going to be hard to come back. Nashville's a great team. They, they shut down the neutral zone, and, and the Ducks didn't really get many chances going into those final five minutes of the game. And uh, Forsberg gets the empty net goal, and from there, it, it's, it's pretty much over. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
We would have been tough for the Ducks to get two goals the way Nashville was playing. And then Watson gets the second empty netter and, and, and it's season over for the Ducks. You know, I think the thing that was weird about this, and you touched uh, upon a little bit in the goalie situation, was the Ducks had tweeted out that Gibson was back in net and he was practicing, he looked good, everything in the morning. Uh, we even thought he was going to start. That's what it sounded like from you know what a lot of people were saying. And then last minute Bernier comes in. The, we found out that Gibson had a hamstring issue, so he must not have been able to uh, you know go side to side or laterally uh, like he needed to be because for him to not come in was strange because then Bernier comes in, Enros the backup, you're like, what the hell's going on here? And like you said, you don't want to put all the blame on Bernier in this game, but you got to put a lot of the blame on him. I'm sorry. He came in there and was not prepared. And I, you know, I'll play devil's advocate too. I mean, he hadn't played, you know, a whole lot in the last, you know, month and a half, two months. I mean, I get it, but some of those goals he let in, I mean, it was terrible. I mean, the Predators had 18 shots. You know, we don't count the empty netters, but, you know, four of those goals, uh, you know, a couple of them Bernier could have stopped. Let's just be honest. And I don't think the team wanted to come out and say it because they didn't want to point the finger at the end. But we all know. You watched the game. You saw what happened. Bernier was so rusty. It was terrible. And and me, uh, I mean, we'll kind of go into it later, but there'll be some fan questions about Gibson and and Bernier and Enroth and things that we'll talk about. But in this situation – I, I think it was tough. You, you're missing your two 30-goal scorers, as you talked about, Eddie, and then your number one goalie's out, and you've got a rusty backup that comes in and you know kind of deflates the team early on and then deflates the team in the third period. And, and like I said, I'm not going to put it all on him, but it, it's, it, you can't ignore the fact that his performance was very subpar in this game, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and you know, it, Bernier arguably lost them this game. But yeah. it takes a team to lose a series, and and you know yes. let's not yes. forget the Ducks lost four games in this series, and this, oh, Bernie only played in one, so there's there's an issue there, and you know you got to look at each game. We already looked at them briefly, but you know they're gonna have to look at this and prepare for next year. It's a tough loss to handle. You know a lot of people thought the Ducks could move on from this series, especially when Ryan Johansson went down. And a lot of people were saying there's no excuses now. The Ducks are gonna have to go out and win game five and six, and they lost both of them. So, yep. you know, you got to look at yourselves internally on that one and, um, you know, prepare for next season. Uh, you know, will we see Bernie next season? I, I don't know. He's an unrestricted free agent. There might be a new backup behind Gibson next year. But, you know, we'll get into the, the Gibson talk in a little bit. But there's a lot of people that have been putting him under fire as well um, heading out, out of this season. Yeah, and with that, you know, we have just a ton of fan questions, obviously, given what happened. Uh, all kinds of crazy comments have been flying all over uh, the internet. You know, I woke up today and <laughs> uh, it was fun getting on social media today. I'm going to tell you, I honestly went to bed early uh, after the game because I was just tired of seeing uh, all kinds of crazy comments. And, you know, honestly, it's uh, for those of you listening, it's pretty much not you guys. Uh, you guys have always been great and been supportive of the Ducks, obviously, and of Eddie and I and and uh, all the fans have been, you know, Ducks fans have been great. But it's just funny to see these fans of other teams, you know, Kings fans, Nashville fans, uh, other random fans come out of the, the woodwork and, uh, you know, want, want to pound pound uh, our team and our fans and us and everything. It's just pretty funny. But um, we'll go into the uh, your questions and concerns. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on. 
um, now that the season's over, uh, you know, expansion draft, you know, cap issues, uh, who stays and goes, all this kind of thing. So we're going to run through the questions. Um, we're not really going to mention like who asked them uh, like we usually do because so many of you ask the same question like the same way almost or, or close to it. But we're going to run through, try and cover as much as we can here um, as we look forward. And, you know, to, even before we get to the end of this podcast, um, we'll have more podcasts throughout the summer. They may be spaced out. You know, usually Eddie and I try to do one every week, but we're going to try to uh, maybe do one every two weeks. Just depends on what's going on. But right now we'll kind of go into some of the stuff um, – with the team and, you know, kind of what to expect now that the season's over. And uh, one of the biggest questions, Eddie, is whether or not Patrick Eves is going to uh, return to the Ducks. And what are your thoughts on that as uh, as we start looking ahead? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people want him to come back. I think he had a, you know, a successful season in Anaheim. He played great in Dallas, you know, had 14 points, 11 goals in 20 games in the regular season with Anaheim and, and you know, four, four points in, in seven games in the playoffs before he got hurt. And, and, you know, of course, we'd love to have him back. But I think a lot of people got to realize, like, you know, he scored 32 goals last year. Um, that's going to be one of the top guys um, on the free agent market in, in terms of goals. Obviously, there's guys in front of him like TJ Oshie. But, you know, he's going to be getting more than the million dollars that we paid him this season. Um, and, you know, I think if it's upwards of three towards four, which it probably will be, you know, some team will be willing to pay that. A team has a lot of cap. You look at maybe Carolina, who will be looking to make a push this year as well. You know, there's teams who will be willing to pay him money, and I don't think the Ducks should invest in a guy. He's only scored 30 goals once in, in his career. I mean, in the seasons prior to this, he's had some injury troubles, and he hasn't really produced uh, this level. The last time he scored 20 goals was way back in 2005, 2006, where he had 20 goals and nine assists in his uh, rookie season with the Ottawa Senators. So, you know, I think they got to be careful. You know, obviously he he meshed well with Getzlaff, but he also meshed well with Ben and Sagan in, in Dallas. You know, when you're playing with top guys, they're going to get you the puck and you're going to score goals. And that's not to harp on his play, but you know, I think they got to be wary. If you're going to look north of $3 million, I, I think you got to turn the other way and let him go to a different team. Yeah, I think that's really the issue, it, uh, Eddie. It's going to come down to money. I mean, would we, you know, want to have Patrick Eves back? Absolutely. I think you know almost every Duck fan out there is going to say yes. But like you mentioned, the cost is going to be the issue. Like you said, he's going to be one of the highest ones on the free agency market. Um, even though, given you know, like you said, playing in Dallas and the, the Ducks with some great players, you know, obviously. Um, that's going to be a concern, and I agree with you. If the Ducks can keep him for you know a million, maybe maybe two, uh, you may may see some hope there. But you know, I, I think the chances are slim. I'm not going to say none. I mean, there there is a chance because we have the expansion draft and all kinds of other craziness that's going to happen in the off season. Um, but I do think the chances are not great. So I wouldn't hold your breath. I mean, be hopeful, but also be prepared, I guess, for the worst and and him not returning. Yeah, um, and I, I think there's some guys out there as well uh, on the free agent market we'll talk about in a bit that you could get for either cheaper or have more consistent value um, than what Patrick Hughes has provided in the past. And you got to remember, too, this guy has turned 33 in May, and uh, this is a, he's an aging guy, one of the older guys on the Ducks, and it, it's difficult to... You know, to say you're you're gonna want to pay this guy three or four million for the next two seasons. You know, maybe he takes a cut to stay in Anaheim and win a cup. But there's gonna be a lot of teams that are cup contenders that are gonna be pushing to grab a guy that can score thirty goals and that Shoney can play with some top players. So yeah, I mean, 
you know, it, a lot of people want him to come back. Uh, I'm among the people that want him to come back, but we got to be realistic and look at the, the cap situation for this team. And you don't want to end up spending too much on a guy for two seasons when you have to, say, resign Cam Fowler in a couple of seasons. And you got to possibly re-up Coglano, who's only making $3 million. So you got to look at those as well. Well, you know, there's a, a kind of a related question like you talked about, Eddie. We can kind of go into it. You know, um, some people asked about uh, what forward should the, the Ducks try and target in the offseason. So let's say... Eves doesn't come back. Who who out there? Uh, you know, it's kind of early. You know, obviously we got three other teams still playing and whatnot. But I mean, what are some names that you know maybe Ducks fans should kind of, if not keep an eye on them coming to the Ducks or maybe going to another team? So some you're looking at some of the ones uh, in the free agent market. It's going to be difficult to get these guys as well for a cheap price. You, I think the first one you look at is Justin Williams with the Washington Capitals. Uh, they're going to have to look at re-signing T.J. Oshie, maybe the possibility of them re-signing uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, which I doubt. I believe they also have to re-up uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov as well, so I doubt that Williams comes back. You know, He's uh, getting up there, too. He's 35 and was making $3.25 million last year, but you know, he had 48 points in the regular season with the Capitals. You know, we all know that he's Mr. Game 7 in, in his playoff prowess. Um, but you know, I think he's a good option for the Ducks if they can get him for around $3 million. You know, he's, he's a good top-nine guy, a veteran guy, been there, done that, won the Cup before, so I think that's a good option for them to pursue as well. Uh, another one is Chris Versteeg, and we all remember him from, from the Ducks series where he just kept scoring power play goal after power play goal, and he had a pretty successful season with Calgary, 37 points in the 69 games that he played. He was making under a million dollars, so he's definitely going to be getting a raise, but I think... He's one of those guys that you can still probably get for around $2 million, and he'd be a good guy for the Ducks to have for to provide some good scoring depth, something that they kind of lacked, especially in this, the last few games of this series. And then the last one is a familiar face for most Ducks fans. It's Nick Benino. He's an unrestricted free agent out of Pittsburgh this season, and he had 37 points in the 80 games that he played. And I think he'd be a suitable guy to bring back and, and possibly play third-line center if you lose uh, a guy like uh, Nate Thompson, who is an unrestricted free agent, or, or for some reason you do lose Antoine Vermette either to uh, Vegas in the expansion draft or, draft, or you buy him out or trade him or whatever. I think he'd be a good option for the Ducks to have at third-line center. And he only made $2.1 million last year, so I think you know he might get a little bit of a raise and it might be difficult for Pittsburgh to keep him around. You know, I, I like all three of those options you you mentioned, Eddie. Uh, obviously, uh, bringing the Boneyard back would be, you know, exciting. Uh, you know, I don't know what the chances would be of that, but, um, you know, we have to see what's happening with Pittsburgh because obviously they're still battling it out uh, with Ottawa. But uh, that that one would intrigue me the most. I think Justin Williams might be a, you know, price range may be an issue. Um, you know, Versteeg too. That's not, not a bad one. I would I would look towards. Um, Bonino over Steve kind of see where they go you know maybe there's a chance that one of those two guys comes in and helps the Ducks but because that's you know another question kind of related to this too is you know what do the Ducks need to do for next season in order to help out this team and um, you know I think what's going to help this team is getting some more forward depth because it was kind of the the problem in this series Eddie is we saw this is you know the Ducks lost some guys Nashville lost some guys and with Anaheim and you and I talked about this before the you know preparing for the show today is that they didn't really have third or fourth line guys that could step up as much. I mean, yeah, you did have Chris Wagner get you know three goals, but I mean you're not going to rely on Bowl to come in there and help you out too much. Uh, Cordillas, you know, he's you know brand new coming in. I mean, obviously you know maybe in the future, but the Ducks didn't really have that depth in the forward pool. And we talked about that at the trade deadline too, because you remember the Ducks only got Eves; they didn't get anybody else. I think that's going to be the the main focus for this team uh, next season. 
Yeah, and it's difficult. I mean, you look at Nashville and the guys that they had come in and play a big role, even before Johansson went out um, in this series. You know, Austin Watson coming into this series versus the Ducks had no goals. He finished it with four. I know, I believe a couple of them were empty netters, but he still played a big role, blocked a lot of shots in last night's game. And and you look at Colton Sissons, too. I mean, he has 10 points, a hat-trick last night in, in, in the game against the Ducks. And they were able to bring in Pontus Aberg, who had a great uh, series and a good goal, you know, a, a big goal, sorry, the game-winning goal against the Ducks. And then Kyle Yarncrook as well is an impactful player for, for Nashville. You know, they were able to bring these guys up, promote them in the lineup, and they played well. And, and for the Ducks, you know, losing Raquel and Eves just proved to be too much for them. Obviously, uh, losing Gibson as well. But, you know, Wagner came up, got a couple goals, but that was pretty much it from him in, in the playoffs. Kasha had a couple goals in this uh, this series. He had one in last night's game, but that was pretty much it from him in this in this playoffs as well. And they didn't really have anybody come up besides Getzlaff, Perry, and Silverberg, who really produced at a level that could replace what Raquel was bringing to the lineup or what Eves was bringing to the lineup or even just have a little bit of production from, from other guys. And, and I think that was a big issue for them, and that's something they're going to have to address in, in this offseason. You, know, you look at signings like Bull and Vermette now, and, and that wasn't enough. You know, bringing Neves was great at the deadline, but it still wasn't enough. You have to look at if you're going to lose two guys from your lineup, who's going to come up and replace them? And I think Kasha was a great surprise, but it, it just wasn't enough in the end for the Ducks. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of that tied into the Raquel and Eves thing was the Ducks going to the net. You know, I think that kind of, I mean, the Ducks were able to score some goals in game six. Don't get me wrong, but um, I, especially having Eves out the whole series, uh, you know, the last game, you didn't have as much of that pressure in front of Arena that the Ducks needed. And I, I think that was huge. And I'm not trying to make excuses for the Ducks. I, I still think they could have won the series. But when you, you don't have that net presence, um, especially against a top goalie. I mean, you have to give Rene credit. I mean, he beat the team, you know, the Ducks last year, beat us this year. And, I mean, he's been on his game. You have to give credit to Nashville's team defense and the way he plays. And when you get into the playoffs, you're going to run into teams like this. You know, we ran into Crawford against Chicago. We ran into Quick in L.A. We had these different, you know, and and like I said, Rene before. So you run into these goalies that, with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At, are going to play great. Well, the way you're going to beat these guys, you're going to have to have forwards. They don't necessarily have to be the biggest guy, but you've got to have forwards that are willing to go in front of the net, create screens, get deflections, and create havoc. And I, I think that just really hurt the Ducks, in the, especially in the last game. Without Raquel and Eves, you know, uh, those are the two guys that were really, you know, going to the net, making plays, and getting uh, the Nashville um, 
you know, trying to get their defense out of position. That's what you need. And that's, I would target forwards that are going to do that kind of role uh, in the offseason. I think that's the best thing, Eddie, that the Ducks can to try and do to really improve this team because the team still did great, uh, you know, down the stretch and everything. Other than specialty teams, you know, that kind of went down the tube in the playoffs. But overall, the team played great. Yeah, and I think one thing, too, you have to look at, especially with Rene, is you know, it, for a team to have a goaltender, you, you see this a lot in Montreal with Carey Price, who can go out and make plays behind the net and does whatever they can to, to stop the puck and, and get it an easy out for Nashville. I mean, the amount of times we saw that, where he'd go behind the net, throw his body against the board, stop the puck, give it to a defender, and he'd get out of the zone. I think that was key for Nashville in a lot of games. And in one of the games, especially in Game 5, he did that so many times that the Ducks just couldn't get anything going offensively. And, um, you know, that's credit to, for one, Rene, and two, the, the fact that Nashville plays so well in the neutral zone that the Ducks have to dump it in every time. And Rene's there to stop the puck 90% of the time, and he gets it out, and it's an easy out. And, you know, it's great effort by Nashville to set up their team that way, and it really frustrated the Ducks, and, and they just couldn't really find a way around it. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, that's that's really it in a nutshell. Those are some of the things that, you know, turn the series around. In favor of uh, the Predators, unfortunately. Um, you know, with that, though, the, you know, the season, like we said, the season's over and the Ducks are going to have to focus now. We've got the, uh, as you mentioned kind of earlier, the expansion drafts coming up. We've talked about this throughout the season, and obviously a lot of the fans have asked more questions about it and they're concerned about, you know, what are the Ducks going to do? Um, you know, and I encourage everybody to, um, if you ever want to know about the cap and, the, and the, the Ducks lineup and whatnot, is to go on Cap Friendly and check it out. They have all the players listed on there, and that's what we look at. And they actually have an expansion um, draft tool on there to use. But we'll kind of go into this again, Eddie, and we'll talk about what the Ducks plan to do. We're pretty sure, not 100%, but we're pretty sure the Ducks are going to go with uh, you know, the first option where they're going to protect seven forwards and three defensemen. And if you look at the way that it's laid out, um, obviously those that have the no movement clauses have to be protected. So if we look at the forwards, you've got Perry, Getzloff, and Kessler automatically would be protected. The next group that uh, we're pretty sure would be in that group would be Raquel, Silverberg, and Cognano. So the Ducks would have at least those six protected. And then they would be able to pick a seventh one, which we'll kind of talk about in a minute. The issue comes in is it comes in on the defense, Eddie, which we've talked about this before. If the Ducks protect three, they're going to have to figure something out because you've got Bieksa, who has a no-movement clause, which we've heard that he's going to waive for purposes of the draft, which players can do. If he does indeed do that, then the Ducks still have Lindholm, Botten, and Fowler uh, to look at, and Manson um, is another one. So, you know, there's some things here that are going to have to go on, and you and I have alluded to this on several podcasts, Eddie, but and this kind of goes to another fan question too, but it looks like in order for the Ducks to, to do some movement here, satisfy the trade deadline and some of the holes like we talked about in the forwards, I would think the Ducks would try to trade a defenseman for a forward and try and solve all these problems in a, in a move like maybe one or two moves like that, Eddie. Yeah, and we've known this pretty much all season that this is what was going to happen come expansion draft. And now that it's here, it, it's more obvious than anything. I mean... Now, if the Ducks were, go, were to go the eight forward slash defenseman and one goalie route, that would expose a guy like Jakob Silverberg if you're going to protect four defensemen, and I'm pretty sure that's not the route that they want to go the way he played in the regular season in the playoffs. I'm sure they're going to want to keep him. So then we go the seven forward, three defenseman route, and that protects Perry, Getzloff, Kessler, and then most likely Raquel, Silverberg, Cogliano, and then a forward of their choice if they acquire a new one uh, through a trade or if they decide to protect either Vermette or Wagner or 
Cordelius or whoever they decide to protect. And then you look at defensemen, and this is the big thing. Like you said, there's Lindholm, there's Votnin, there's Fowler, there's Manson, and then there's Bieksa with the no-move clause, which we either believe he'll waive, and if he doesn't, I'm sure the Ducks will figure out another way, either buying him out, trading him, whatever they decide to do. But I would assume that he would waive it for the purpose of the expansion draft. And then you have to look at arguably two guys who would be the most likely to be traded. Lindholm's safe, I would assume. Uh, Manson, I believe they'd like to keep at only $825,000 cap hit. And then you have to look at Votnin and Fowler. And the only reason I include Fowler in this lineup is that he's a UFA next season. He's only making $4 million. I'm sure he's due for a raise, especially the season he had. You know, they're going to look to re-sign or sorry, re-up him in on July 1st when they can begin doing so. I'm sure they'd like to get it done this season before next season. And, you know, if they can't work something out, there's also a possibility that he gets traded over Votnin. Uh, but you, you would have to look at the most likely option being Sammy Botnin. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, stirring and, and rumors lately out of Toronto and Tampa Bay and, and uh, other teams across the league that they'd be interested in acquiring a defenseman. Colorado's one as well. And, and Sammy Botnin would be a great option for a lot of teams. And, you know, if the Ducks are going to want to keep some of the forwards that they have here and especially some of their defensemen and, and avoid losing anybody to Vegas, you know, it's time to start trading out of some of this depth and acquiring some forwards in a trade. Yeah, I agree, and I think Botnin's your most likely one. Uh, you know, like you said, Fowler could be an issue, maybe you know, with trying to re-up him or whatnot. But if you trade Botnin, he's twenty-five. You've got Montour, twenty-three. Um, you know, a lot of people argue that Montour's better, and I, I would go with that too. And he's younger too, a couple years. So you already have an option to plug in there. So, and and the way Fowler played this last year, I mean, holy cow! I mean, <laughs> he had a gr- phenomenal season. So, um, that that's kind of what we're leaning towards i mean that's how it would you know possibly go is that the ducks protect seven forwards three defensemen and then of course they would keep uh the one goalie uh john gibson uh, which you know we have a lot of uh, fan questions about the goalie stuff too eddie kind of cracks me up I, I i think this is probably one of the the biggest questions we've had in you know our list of things to go through today but you know people want to know about gibson and his level of, you know, goaltending, Eddie, if he's a championship goalie, is he a, a number one type goalie? Uh, and we'll get into the backup situation, too, in a second. But, you know, obviously the Ducks, you would think, would protect him in the expansion draft as the one goalie. But what are your thoughts on Gibson? Because, you know, there's there's some mixed feelings out there amongst some of the Ducks fans about, you know, Gibson and his health and, and et cetera, et cetera. What do you think? Well, if if any question or any comments that got me the most heated after this game and after <laughs> after the season is the fact that people are are saying, you know, should we continue to go with John Gibson or should we promote Bernier or should we look for another goalie <laughs> in in free agency? And, and those are fair questions, and, and you know, the people are citing injury issues with Gibson and whatnot. But you know, we have to look at his play in the regular season this year. He had top five numbers in the league, one of the best goaltenders in the regular season. And you know, he struggled a bit in the playoffs, but he still played well. He won games for the Ducks. And you have to remember, this guy's 23 years old. There's not many goalies playing at this level that are that young and, and playing so well. You got to look at maybe Matt Murray in, in Pittsburgh and Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay. You know, there's still time. Goalies take longer to develop. Gibson's playing at a high level already. You know, it, it, it it's ignorant to say that we should trade him and look elsewhere. I, I mean, you want to look at the goalies available in free agency and tell me somebody is better than than uh, John Gibson, you know, Peter Budai, Curtis McElhinney, Mike Condon, Chad Johnson, Brian Elliott. None of these guys are even close to John Gibson. 
and they're all almost over 30. So th there's, there's no option better than Gibson. No, I don't want to go with Bernier over Gibson. You know, a lot of people have to just <laughs> calm down. You know, he has some flaws to his game. He likes to flop a little bit. You know, there's times where he kind of seems to zone out and either lose the puck, which we saw in this series, or decide to go behind his net and grab his own stick during the, the yeah. play when it's still in your own zone. And, but there's these are things that you can work on as a young goalie. And, and you know, the fact that he remained so calm in, in games is already a, a key asset to his play. And he has the ability to make big saves at big times. And I think there are some things that he obviously needs to work on. But he's like I said, he's 23. He still has the chance to become an elite goaltender in the NHL. And I already believe he's he's getting up there as one of the you know top 15, top 10 goaltenders in the NHL. So there's no point in trading a guy like that. You know, you can win a cup with this guy. And and I think you know he's an integral part to to their to their success in the future. And you know you have to keep him around. I, I think any talk of trading him or going out and finding another goaltender is is just ignorant. Yeah, and if you want to talk about big games, hey, Game Seven against Edmonton, Ducks won that game, mm -hmm. right? Who was in net? Gibson was in net. So you know, don't don't sit there. I know some people go back and they they point at some of these um, games and they say Gibson, yada yada yada. Well, don't forget all those Game Sevens that the Ducks lost. You know that Gibson wasn't the goalie for all those games. Anderson actually was a goalie in some of those. Hiller was a goalie in some of those. So, you know, when people get all, you know, I know the, the, the season's over. We're all heated. We're upset. We're mad. We, you know, we want to point the finger at all these people. I, I, I don't point the finger at Gibson at all. I think he played great. I mean, yes, there were some moments going and getting the stick. I was like, what the, you know, are you doing? Um, there are some times that there's odd man rushes and he does either go down early or overcommits. Yes, we have seen those things. Don't get me wrong. He's not perfect. He's he's young, but he's still a great goaltender. And he's and he won that big game, the game seven game. I mean obviously he's lost one too, but he's actually done it now. So I'm not worried about Gibson. I, I think there are some things that need to be tweaked. I, I think he's gotta work on some stuff in the off season. But I think he is starting to mature a little bit better. And like you said, he's only 23. I, I still like what we got, you know, and it did only 2.3 million too. That's pretty good. So I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is the backup situation. Um, and we had questions about that. You know, is Bernier coming back? Who's the backup going to be next year? Well, I'm pretty sure Bernier is not coming back. After that game six, I'm sorry. He's not coming back. You want to talk about a poor performance? That was a poor performance. And, and again, I, I don't want to put it all on him. You know, he hadn't played in a while. He was rusty. But I'm just saying, I, I highly doubt he's coming back, especially not for a $4 million price tag. So I, I, that's what I'm looking at, Eddie, is I, I think the Ducks need to get a different backup goalie. And, the, and you mentioned some of the names out there. Um, you know, there's Chad Johnson, Mike Condon. Those are some options. You know, another option, too, is the Ducks uh, promote Enroth. You know, I mean, that may be another option. That's probably the least likely option, but that's another option. Um, you know, and, and I know you and I kind of get a little emotional here right now, but it just shows you how much that Eddie and I care about this team and, you know, just our thoughts about what's going on uh, with everything. And you got to remember, these players are people, too. You know, I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough for me to, to sit here and tell you that Bernier was a, a big problem in game six, but it's the truth. He was. I don't want to single him out, but he was a big problem, and it, and, it's, and it sucks. It's unfortunate. And I know he's not happy. I'm pretty sure he's you know pissed off just like the rest of the team is because some people think that the players don't take these things personal. They do. They really do take it. And this this Ducks team, as Cogdon was talking about, was a really, really tight team. And you could see the frustration, Eddie, at the end of this uh, game. 
uh, with them, you know, going after some of the players on Nashville because they're frustrated. You saw Bieksa walk down the tunnel throwing sticks or, or at least banging against the wall. And you saw Perry was upset, Kessler's upset, and things like that that you see. But that's how we feel. And um, that, that's why I kind of, you know, when people take certain shots at Gibson, I'm, I, I, I get it. Some of you like, you know, certain people better. But I don't think he's the problem going forward. I, I think the Ducks need to get some stronger forwards, as you and I talked about and a different type of backup goalie. But I'm still positive. I still think this team can make another deep run next year. I, I mean, I don't think this team needs to do a whole lot, Eddie. I mean, they're almost there. I mean, the other part of this equation, too, is some of the injuries. And again, not to make excuses, but it's just the way things went down. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the cards got stacked against the Ducks. Yeah, and, you know, in referring to, to backup goalies, like you said, you know, I think that's a, a need for them in this offseason. You know, there's, there's, you know, don't get me wrong, there's still a chance they do re-sign Jonathan Bernier, obviously for less than, than he was making before, most likely around <laughs> $1 or $2 because he did play good during the regular season, and he was he a did. big part he of did. this team making the, the playoffs. And, you know, obviously he had the one game where he started and, and played bad in Game 6, and it was a big game, so it's something that everybody's going to remember. But there's a chance, you know, there's not a lot of options this season as for goalies and, and unrestricted free agency for backups, but there are some options, and you, you look at a guy I think that would top the list is Peter Budai. He's an unrestricted free agent. We remember how well he played in L.A. this year, and, you know, it's always difficult to pick a goalie up who played well in L.A. because you know how great defensively they are, so it's tough to see a guy come out of there and you never know if they're going to do well other places, but I think he's a suitable option if the Ducks want to go that way. Uh, Mike Condon, like we mentioned before, he's an option. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's still in the playoffs with Ottawa right now. Uh, Chad Johnson out of Calgary, you know, he had a good season uh, with Buffalo two seasons ago and then had a decent season with Calgary this year. And then I think another option is Anders Nielsen out of uh, Buffalo. Um, you know, in a team that wasn't that great defensively, he played pretty well. You know, he he tops all unrestricted free agent goaltenders in save percentage, and he played 26 games this year. So you know, he's also another option. He's only 27, so I think he'd be a good option as well for the Ducks to have his backup. But you know, outside of Bernier, there are some suitable options, and I think it'll be interesting to see what the Ducks do to shore up that position. Yeah, and just one last little point on that, too. If the Ducks do bring back Bernier, I'm not going to be uh, upset. I know I kind of harped on him a little bit in this show in Game 6, but like you said, Eddie, he did great during the regular season, and he helped the Ducks get this far. And you can't overlook that. Um, but it was more of in reference to people you know, harping so much on Gibson. You know, If you're going to harp on him, well, you got to harp on Bernier, too. you gotta, you got to spread it around here, you know what I mean, looking at what happened. And like you said, too, he didn't. He, he unfortunately he was the one in Game Six, but the Ducks lost the other three games before that. So the team still did lose. I mean, there was a lot of other things going on. Specifically, the third periods were problematic for the Ducks um, at the latter part of this series. So just want to clear that up for a little bit. So I know everybody doesn't think I'm just a, a Bernier basher, but um, you know if he does come back and it works out, that's good. I mean, he did good for the regular season, but like I said, if he doesn't, then, then that's a need that the Ducks are going to have to fill. Uh, another way of filling some of the need for the Ducks too, Eddie, and a lot of people ask, is about some of the younger players. You know, um, the Ducks had Max Jones and Steele and a couple other guys called up in case of this game six that they were going to have to play with Raquel and Eves out, and they, they ended up not getting in the game. But people want to know, what are the chances of those two, uh, maybe Natanen and Larson, uh, getting a chance to play uh, next year. What do you think, uh, you know, as far as the Ducks trying to plug some holes if they don't uh, go out and get some forwards via trade? Yeah, uh, I mean, as for Steele and Jones to start, um, you know, I think 
there are kind of outside chances of making the team next year. I'd love to see either of them play. Uh, I think to start, they'd have to wow you know, coaches and, and staff at camp to, to begin with. And then from there, they'd have to get themselves uh, the nine-game tryout or whatever it is uh, before you burn an entry-level contract or you're on your entry-level contract in, in the NHL. So I think if they were to wow in camp and then play well during those nine games, there's a chance that they could stay on this team. And obviously it depends on, on the forwards that the Ducks acquire through either trade or through free agency in this offseason. But that would be the only way they'd be making the team, in my opinion. The same goes for, for Naughton as well. Um, I think Naughton will probably be in San Diego next year. Um, Regina would love to have Sam Steele back and play in junior because uh, they're hosting the Memorial Cup, and I'm sure London would love to have Max Jones back. So unless these guys come up and, and wow out of camp, you know, I think there's a good chance they get sent back down to junior. Um, as for, for Jacob Larson, um, you know, I think there's a good chance he makes the team this season out of camp, if not gets a, a similar showing to what we've seen from Theodore two years ago and Montour this year, where he comes up when the Ducks need him, plays well, and ends up sticking in the lineup. And, and you know, he obviously played a couple games at the beginning of this season, went back to Sweden. Uh, played well there, and I think there's a good chance that he could, you know, be a, a mainstay. If if any rookie for the Ducks right now has a good chance of making the lineup out out of camp, I think it has to be Jakob Larson. Yeah, I agree. Based upon what's happened uh, recently, and you know, something that may change it a little bit is uh, we learned that uh, Sorensen signed a contract in a Swedish league, so he's now out of the picture. So that may, you know, make some room for Jones or Steele. But kind of like you said, I, I, I think uh, Steele's going to want to stay, you know, and, and play that one more year out, like you said. Um, so I, I would kind of look towards that. But, yeah, out of that group, Larson may be the one that might emerge out of that group, especially uh, if the Ducks do make, you know, some of those trades to move some defensemen around. So I would look for that. And, you know, obviously it's all premature right now. we got to see what happens in the expansion draft and the regular draft and free agency and all that kind of stuff. But looking at it right now, I agree with you. I think he's the one that has the best chance, um, you know, as we kind of preview the offseason and whatnot. Um, some of the other, I guess, remaining questions, uh, Eddie, not so much about the team, but uh, more about, I guess, management and coaching. Um, people ask about Murray and whether or not he'll be back next season, and, and people also want to know if we thought Carlisle was the right choice for this team. So, um, you know, both of those, I, I, I think Murray's still going to come back. He's still done a hell of a job with this team. You know, they still got far, you know, only a couple wins away again from the Stanley Cups uh, final. So I think... Uh, he'll be back. And I think uh, Carlisle was the right choice. I mean, you, like we talked about earlier, the Ducks got over that seven-game, whatever you want to call it, curse, hiccup, whatever. They got over that hurdle. So they, they won that with uh, Carlisle. Obviously, they couldn't get past uh, Nashville in the Western Conference Final. But, uh, you know, with the way that Carlisle did things, especially those in-game changes and different things that he did, um, also uh, not messing around with the goalie situation too much, um, I, I think he was the right choice, and I still think uh, Murray and Carlisle are both the right choices going to next season. Yeah, and I think you know Bob Murray kind of this season, you know, with the the way the Ducks played, I, I think he kind of got hit hard. I, I think he he did made a lot of great moves. Obviously, for Matt and Bull weren't at the top of the list, but I think getting Eves was. I think there was probably a little bit more they could have done to to be a better team. But I think he sticks around. I I don't know who else you would really replace him with he's been a great general manager for years i think he has to stick around and and as for carlisle i you know i think he's earned the right to to be here another season got him to a western conference final game six 
uh, you know, turned the way, you know, showed that he he's changed his ways from the past in some ways, and, and, and the Ducks, you know, had a successful season despite a lot of people believing that they would either not make the playoffs or not really get that far, and and they ended up getting uh, one round away from from the Stanley Cup final, and you know, I think he's earned the right to be here for for at least another season. Yeah, I agree. I I think that there shouldn't be any changes in the management structure right now. I, I think it should be fine. You know, um, one other uh, thing I guess coming up too is you know the regular draft's going to come up, Eddie, and uh, you know we won't really go into who we think is going to be picked or whatnot. We'll kind of wait till it gets a little closer. But what's the situation in terms of the Ducks and their draft picks um, coming up? So the Ducks lost their first round pick in the trade. For uh, for Eves from Dallas because Eves played in half of their their playoff games leading up into the the Western Conference Final and the fact that the Ducks made the Western Conference Final means that Dallas gets our first round pick instead of the second round pick. So now the Ducks do have their own second round pick. They have the second round pick that they got from Toronto in the trade for Frederick and Frederick Anderson, which turned out to be uh, San Jose's second round pick, which Toronto had previously acquired. Uh, they also have a third round pick, a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, and no sixth or seventh round pick. So they do have five draft picks and th- uh, three in the first three rounds. Obviously, no first round pick. So there's a potential to to package those second round picks or package one with something else and move up into the, the late in the first round if they want to. Um, you know, obviously, both those second round picks will be late. It'll be San Jose will be around the middle of the pack, and and the Ducks will be in the bottom twenties because of their their finishing in the in the Western Conference Final. Um, so they've got some options there. Obviously, not the best options. It, it, it's tough, you know, when you go out and to not have a first round pick to fall back on. But you know, I think they'll be okay. They've got some young guys coming up, and hopefully, they can hit on a couple of these second round picks and, and bring some more forwards into into the fold. And you know Murray's going to try and work that, like you said. I, I think he'll try to work either the second uh, round pick, you know, whether it's you know both of them together or that with one of those with the third or something. I, you know, he's going to try and move up. I, wh- whether or not he gets it done, of course, that's another story. You know, we we saw him try and we heard the reports of him trying to do it this last time and it didn't work out. But that's something to keep an eye on too, is is to see whether or not the Ducks do move up and get, like you said, a, a pick late in the first round. That's something to keep an eye on. But we'll have later podcasts in the summers that comes up closer and we'll talk about you know the draft in more detail and players that you know the Ducks may pick and. Uh, you know, our writer Thomas does a good job going over all that stuff, too. He's gone over a lot of stuff with the goals and whatnot. So we may see, uh, uh, you know, some more in-depth stuff there that we'll be able to cover and get you guys some info on that. Um, really, the only other uh, news, Eddie, is uh, who's Nashville going to play? We've got uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Ottawa battling it out. You know, before this um, series concluded, I really wanted to see the Ducks play to the Senators again. It would have been a 10-year reunion, you know, uh, going back to obviously 2007. Um, and now it's going to be interesting. Uh, you got Pittsburgh that's on, on the verge here of winning. Uh, but, you know, they've had some blowout games back and forth, so who knows who's going to win this series. But I, I think you feel the same way I do, is whoever wins that series, we hope beats Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I I would like Ottawa to come out and win this series. I think it's going to be difficult. Obviously, the the injuries for for Pittsburgh are piled up on the blue line, but you know their forward group is arguably the best still left in the playoffs. Um, and I, I think the big key for tonight's game for Ottawa is if Eric Carlson is ready to go. I haven't really seen much news, but I to be honest, I haven't really looked up a lot of news on, on the Senators and and if he's healthy. But he went out in game uh, game five uh, with what appeared to be a twisted ankle. 
Um, but you never know if they just didn't want him to come back. I believe it was five nothing at the time. Is it worth bringing a guy back who you know who's maybe laboring on an ankle and, and to miss him for game six? I think that's obviously key if they're going to win this game. That he needs to be in the lineup. And, and then Craig Anderson's going to have to play great for them if, if they want to win this game. But it's going to be tough. You know, it, the, obviously game six is in Ottawa. There's a little bit of a home ice advantage there. But but Pittsburgh's shown that they, they really want to defend the cup this year. And it's going to be tough to, to win two games straight, especially game seven in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and that's what you got on tap there in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I'm kind of leaning towards, uh, you know, Pittsburgh again. Obviously, you know, I, I like them as well, and there's a lot of former Ducks on there. But I won't be upset if they lose and Ottawa wins. If Ottawa wins, that's great. I just don't want Nashville to win. I just that that's just my take. I mean, I know some people say, hey, if you lose to the team that won the championship, blah blah blah. But I just don't. I just I, I'm sorry. I can't root for Nashville. I, I just can't. So that's where that's where we're stuck on that. But uh, with that, we're gonna you know wind up this show. Uh, obviously, it's not the show we wanted to do previewing the off season. We were hoping it was going to be the one previewing the Stanley Cup final with the Ducks in it, uh, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. But um, you know, before we sign off, uh, Eddie, I want to thank you for everything uh, over the last I don't even know how many years it's been. You know, because you were the one that came up with this idea when I was the one to say, Nah, I don't think so. I don't. I'm not made for this. So. I want to thank you for coming up with it and you know always helping out and, and just being a great partner on this show for the last several years. Well, it's, it's been great. I mean, it's great to, to see how everybody enjoys it on Twitter and obviously to see the, the viewers that we get you know night in, night out every time we release a podcast and, and you know to get all the questions and the comments from everybody. It, it, it's great to see the continued support and you know we'll continue to continue to do them during the off season. Cover the draft, cover the expansion draft, cover free agency, and, and then of course we'll be back again at the start of next season, and hopefully we can you know finish next season with a Stanley Cup win. Yeah, exactly, and uh, you know of course all of you listening out there really appreciate the support too. Uh, you know at the uh, the watch party uh, for Game Six, Eddie, I had a guy come up and talk to me. Uh, I can't remember his name unfortunately, but he came up to me. Um, and he's in the U S army for, um, uh, the last couple of years. And he was stationed in Korea last year and said he really appreciated all the stuff that we do on the show and the posts and the articles and stuff like that. He said that, uh, it was hard to get a hold of news, uh, you know, uh, back up in the U S about sports and whatnot over there. So he really appreciated the work that we did and he would follow a lot of the ducks updates to the stuff that we did. So it's really cool to see that this show reaches a lot of the places. I know we have people like in Australia that listen. There's people in Europe that follow the, the articles too and different things like that. So it's not just the U S and Canada. We, we reach a lot of people and we really appreciate it. We try to give you our, our objective and, and, you know, a fair opinion of what we really uh, see out there and whatever news that, you know, we can get if, if a, if a player sends us some info or a family member sends us some info um, you know, it's always good stuff, which, uh, reminds me too, is, uh, we still have shirts available. Um, you know, uh, Josh Manson's parents actually contacted me and loved the Josh Manson shirt, which was a shocker, uh, received an email, um, from Dave Manson. If you remember, he played in the NHL for a long time as well. So that shirt's up there. The, uh, the Anaheim against the world shirt, which is probably the most appropriate shirt right now is up there so uh check it out uh go to tpnhockey.com you can go on there and get some of the shirts some of the older shirts are on there and they're discounted as well and uh, again just thank everybody for the support like eddie said we'll be doing some shows periodically over the summer and as always let's go ducks <laughs>